You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. And yeah, we are in a series, we're going through the book of Exodus. Uh, we've gone from three, chapter three to five. So can I ask you that there's no way we'll be, well, there is a way, but it means we would do a year on Exodus. Um, we're not going to go through every single part. Um, so can I encourage you to be reading at home? Uh, if you have a small group, spend some time reading. Uh, we're going to try to read as much as we can from here. But um, yeah, take some home um, to read and consider and spend some time, especially, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, we're actually in a season that traditionally the church called Lent, uh, where they'd give up something and, and replace it with the word and prayer. So we'll talk about the giving up something in a moment, but maybe you want to replace it with reading Exodus and prayer. But uh, an ancient book, as we spoke a little bit about this last week, so if you've missed the last few weeks, can I encourage you to go back and have a listen because it all builds on each other. But in short, the question around why on earth would we read this nearly 4,000-year-old story? What, would that, what does that have to do with us today? And I... I appreciate that question. It's a great question. But as we saw last week, as we saw the week before, and as we're going to see today, it's all, the whole Bible is stories of men, women, and God, and them interacting. And so it has everything to do with a group of people today interacting with God. How he interacts with us, and usually how we stuff it up, or how we don't, or we try to interact with him. So there's some lessons even today And as you see, there's more than you think that has to do. Humans haven't changed that much, and God has stayed the same. And so we're going to unpack the scripture today. Um, But if you're joining us, yeah, please go back and have a listen as it's been building on each other. So Exodus 5, um, we find this description of the Israelites under slavery. And uh, Moses finally gets the courage, finally trusts God enough to go tell the Pharaoh, not to let his people go completely, but to give them some time to go worship in the desert and hear from their father, hear from Yahweh. Um, He says, no, that's lazy. I'm going to increase your work. And as you heard at the end, they get cranky at Moses because he stirred the pot. And they said, well, better off if you just didn't talk, mate. Maybe don't talk anymore because now we're not only just making the bricks, but we have to go collect the straw to make the bricks. Thanks for nothing. Um, You've made it harder on us. And that's this idea about slavery, describing their position and how bad it was. And it's easy to hear words like slavery and go, well, that instantly distanced us, modern, progressive, 2019 people from these people. What on earth does it have to do with me? I haven't encountered a slave. Um, I don't know if anyone here has encountered a slave. To which I'd say just... A side thought, hold that thought because I think this passage again can speak directly to us and actually can still speak into slavery as slavery still exists. Now this could be another whole sermon but let me just clarify something this morning if you think slavery is not connected to you. There are tens of millions of people trapped in various forms of slavery throughout the world right now, today. Researchers estimate that there are 40 million sorry, enslaved worldwide generating $150 billion each year in illicit profits for tra- traffickers. Uh, they believe there's more slaves today than there ever has been. 
Uh, labour slavery, about 50% toil in forced labour slavery in industries where the manual labour is needed, such as farming, ranching, logging, mining, fishing and brickmaking, and in service industries, working as dishwashers, janitors, gardeners and maids. Sex slavery, about 12.5% are trapped in forced prostitution. Forced marriage slavery, about 37.5% are trapped in forced marriages around the world. And child slavery, about 25% of today's slaves are children. Our Western hunger for more often means down the chain overseas, people end up working for less in much harsher conditions in a form of slavery to meet the Western consumeristic demands. You only need to dip your, hidden, your toe in this hidden world to find out that, yeah, like I said, they believe there's more slaves today than there ever has been. All that to say, that's another whole sermon. As I started to unpack this, I realised to do a whole sermon on that, I'd need to do a lot more research. But just to give you that quick, slaves still exist today. Uh, we are not distant from it. We're just hidden from it. Um, and uh, if you want a little bit of a, it's kind of, yeah, if you want a little bit to explore this more, visit slaveryfootprint.org and it gets you to put in the products you buy and it tells you essentially how many slaves probably made that somewhere in the world. Um, so it's a, a wide brush, I get that, but it's an interesting thing to think about, slaveryfootprint.org. Um, and then in a couple of weeks, um, if you're interested in this, if you're curious about this, we have Pip Taylor preaching in a couple of, I think in about a month. And she is, uh, works over at Southport Church of Christ, but she spent a fair bit of her time rescuing prostitutes overseas in the sex slavery industry and then teaching them some sort of trade and bringing them back and getting them to know the gospel. So she's going to be here in a few weeks. I don't know if she'll speak on that, but if you're curious about that, ask her what it was like and she'll tell you about this hidden world and she'll even tell you that after Commonwealth Games that has increased on the Gold Coast. Um, sex slavery on the Gold Coast. Um, yeah, we'll get, yeah, get her maybe to mention a bit of that when she comes and preaches. However, today, I want to speak about a different type of slavery um, that can still hold dominion over us in 2019, a cultural, spiritual, probably more Western form of slavery that I believe all of us have encountered at some point. Chains that are sometimes unseen, which also here in the Israelites. Israelites have chains that are unseen as well as the work they need to do. Let me explain. Yes, the Israelites are physical slaves of the Egyptians. And yes, they worked and were owned by the Egyptian empire. But have a thought about what that does to a person. Have a think about what that does to be owned by someone else. It's been 400 years of generation since Joseph was 2IC, since they had an Israelite in power. So this generation has only known their identity, their system of belief was all tied up in working and being slaves to the Egyptian empire. They would know themselves when they sat at home after a long day of slave work, they would think to themselves, their identity would be, I'm a brick maker. That's who they were. They just existed to produce. 
Their whole life was to serve the Pharaoh and his wishes. They had no home in a sense of a place that was probably safe. They had no land. They had no identity. And they were barely holding on to this idea that somewhere in the whole Egyptian empire, they were a people. They were just a number who produced a number of bricks. They lived to work, to build monuments of greatness. And we know the Egyptians did build some amazing things, but for the Pharaoh and his greatness. Nowhere to call home, no identity and no people. Fast forward to 2019. Anyone else know a culture that defines people solely by what they produce? By the number of bricks or money or empire or followers they build. In 2019, we wear busyness as a badge of honour. <laughs> what we accumulate as a sign of importance. We will, and I'm guilty of this, we'll actually take pictures of ourselves doing things to make sure people see us doing things so that we can get rewarded and validated by them and liked. It's almost as if we're, I've built 10 bricks today, how awesome am I? Validate me, social media, online. We're trapped. It's a bit different, but we're trapped. Not only this, but the Pharaoh says, the moment Moses asks for some time to worship in the desert, he sees this as unproductive and lazy. How much in society have you told someone you go to church, had a belief, you took a weekend off to spend with your family and God. You said no to something. Imagine saying no to your boss. Can you work a sad day? Oh no, I'm going to go pray, spend some time in the word. Guaranteed, if he didn't know Jesus, or even if he knew Jesus, because this can be sometimes entrenched in the church. How lazy, how unproductive, how foreign. There seems to be a lot when it comes to the spiritual chains of the Israelites that relate to us today. We may not have physical chains in 2019, but I barely leave home without my device that I turned off in the back of the seat there. I feel lost when I lose it. How am I going to find that place? How am I going to know what's next? How am I going to check my emails? How am I going to feel validated from the number of bricks I built today? as an element that feels pretty chained to something that has no chained. The device that lets me know the work I need to do and sends me validation and gives me answers. They say the greatest trick the devil ever pulled, and couldn't find the exact person that quoted this, but the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. I would also say in 2019 that we actually volunteer ourselves to be enslaved that's a pretty big trick as well. In 2019, as we volunteer ourselves to be held to the dominion of others and what others think and what others think we need to produce and busyness as a badge and consumeristic and empire building as some sort of reward, I would say that's a pretty scary trick 
by the devil as well. So the rest of my sermon is pretty structured and it's hopefully more of a reflective sermon this morning. As we, as mentioned, we're in a season called Lent where the church traditionally approached Easter. And we get a chance again, like every year, to stop and remember the cross and actually position our life towards the cross and let it, I guess, in a sense, be refreshed in what it was about in this season. In three or four weeks, Easter. And so I guess I just want to ask some questions of consideration this morning about the unseen chains in our life. And so my first question is, what are you a slave of? What chains does God want to break in 2019 for you? And so I've just got some images to, uh, not inspire, that's the wrong word, but to maybe bring something up in our lives. So I'll just get you to go back one, Miriam. We've got the climbing the ladder, slaves to the things we pursue. What I mean by a slave is you sacrifice things for this, you spend more money and time and energy than other things over this, then you've started to make that a mini-God. You've started to chain yourself to that. These aren't evil things. It's just a refreshment, a consideration on where God positions in that and that you actually can be free from this stuff. So there's the business hierarchy climbing the corporate ladder. Where's that sit? Does everything in your life, is it chained to that? Again, not evil things. Cats aren't evil. I don't like cats, but they're not evil. <laughs> is it comfort? Is everything in your life worship the God of comfort? If you're not comfortable, if you're not experiencing something, if you're not, yeah, is, 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 are you upset? I reckon this one's hard for me, control. Do you have this illusion that you're actually in control of your life when we know the next day could look, something could happen that could completely change your life? You have next to zero control of what happens 10 minutes after, or even in today's service. But we pursue control. That little device that I'm chained to, but you can't see the chain, makes me think I control it because I now get my emails, not just on my computer. Suddenly, oh, I must be out of control. No, it's an illusion. Is that a chain? Happiness. At some point in history, happiness became a marketing tool, not actually genuine joy that the Bible describes. You can lose someone close. You can go through tragedy and still God can give you a peace and a transcendent joy. Not a happiness, not a feeling, but a, that he is present. Somehow we've marketed that euphoric feeling and chemical that when you feel a bit happy as that's the main thing in life. It's not. You're allowed to be sad sometimes. In fact, it's important that sometimes you're sad and you grieve. And it, it, it's, it's totally part of life. Jesus wept. It said is the shortest verse in the Bible. Are you pursuing happiness? If you're not happy, you think something's wrong. Is that the God you serve? Again, don't feel judged today. This is what a chance before Easter to just reflect on what binds you, what holds you. And is it money? Pretty self-explanatory. Doesn't need too much description that money is such an easy one. 
Uh, the next slide. It's the applause. It's the validation. I said a couple of weeks ago that there was this study <laughs> that was done with this group of people, I think in the States, and they said, would you rather fall over privately but injure yourself a little bit or fall over and not injure yourself but do it in front of people? And I think it was like 80% said we'd much rather fall over in front of people, um, sorry, and injure ourselves than not be injured but people not see it. I've totally described that the wrong way, but I think you understand what I get. So we want validation. We don't want to be embarrassed. We can't think of anything worse than our peers. Our peers, our chains. Is security our chain? The need to be secure. And this is one for my generation and younger. We want to constantly be experiencing something. If we constantly don't want to miss out, we need to be on 110% of the time. At a party, at a friend's house, celebrating. God's all for celebrating. You put that many festivals in Leviticus, it's not funny. But it was seasonal. It wasn't one constant excess of partying, socialising and drinking and, and experiencing. I get this one because I'm part of my generation. I struggle with this too. This idea that I might be missing out on something going on. And then there's our identity, something that we catch, uh, we want to be. We can be slaves to that. I'll keep moving through these. There's, um, I know a lot of mums who their identity wants to be super mum and have it all together all the time. And then they see their friends online and they have it all together all the time because you only put your highlight reel online. You don't put, just had the worst day ever. Kids are horrible. The youngest one lost, had a tantrum in the shopping centre. Hashtag blessed. No makeup. Whatever you put. So we might have this idea that we need to balance it all, be super. We're slaves to that identity. Again, we're slaves to the entrepreneur. We can handle everything and do anything without rest and without, without balance. Religion. We're slaves to thinking that God wants us just to do heaps rather than first and foremost to love him and then love others. This cool, successful guy with a coffee want to be seen as you've got it all together. Social media influencer. And then I put this one in because I reckon this, this one is we multiple ages in this church. I reckon one ad commercial they put up if you're in the second half of life is that once you retire don't worry there's no sickness there's no loss of friends or family it's just one big holiday and riding bikes constantly through the sand which you can't ride bikes on sand but somehow they do it in the commercials many of you trying to pursue that we we know we just know it's impossible it's okay to have moments of that, but he's slaves to trying to be that because he's slaves to everything to do that. And then slaves to hurt, the last one. Forget the quote in this week's Alpha, but it was, and I'm not doing good with the quotes today. I'm going to get James. Do you remember the quote about drinking poison and forgiveness? Yeah, that's right. so if you didn't hear, it's so drinking poison 
and hoping the other person gets sick or dies. That's what unforgiveness does. You might be carrying something this morning, a hurt, a real abuse, a real memory. You might have a broken family and you're a slave to it. And you're still held to that. And that person that did the hurt, they're not affected by your hurt. Are you a slave to a memory or an abuse or a very real event or thing that happened? Are you a slave to that? Does all your energy, everything go to being that person, that hurt? The Spirit can work and will work in different ways. Mostly because we work in different ways. It's the same Spirit, but we react, to dif- we react differently to different things and so when the Spirit hits us or the Spirit does a work in us, it could be a different process for each person. We have different worries, different things we need to uncover, admit and let go in different timing. All I ask this season at, at this church, all I'm asking this morning, or inviting us this morning, as we approach Easter, what if we could name and release some of these? Maybe not all, just some of the things that are holding us, that have got us chained, that we are serving, that have got us worried and anxious about. Imagine this Easter if we could let Jesus die for one and be one step closer to becoming more like Jesus. something that's got you captive and so the second point this morning who or what can break you free if you are trapped what can break you free what can break the chains that's the question the pharaoh asks do you know what fair enough if you're the pharaoh and you're pretty much the superpower at the time he says this who is the lord that i should obey him and let israel go i do not know the lord and i will not let israel go actually fair call (laughs) He thinks he's one of the most powerful beings or people on the planet and he probably thinks he has some powerful gods alongside him. Why should he listen to this guy when he says, I'll let my people go, Yahweh said so. I reckon that's the question we ask all the time. We're like, God, I know you're good. I know I sing about it in church. I know I believe it, but are you good? Can you really break me free of this? Can you really do this one thing, God? Do you really know the chain that holds me? This is why the Bible is so powerful, because look, all I can point to at this point is look what God does with these people. Here's a quick summary. Look what he does for these nomads. Look at the heart of God through this passage. In the next three passages, God will take these nomads without an identity, without a home, who are trapped, who know themselves by the bricks they build, in a work-producing culture, and he'll ask them to produce next to nothing for a moment in the desert. He'll completely do the opposite. Work, 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 slave, slave, slave. Here's the desert. You have to rely on bread that I provide from the sky in the morning and little quail. And then he makes them, as he gives them the law later on, he makes them take a day off 
a week. That's part of the law he gives them. This is the God we serve. This is what God wants to do. This is, this is, the, op- this is the opposite spirit of slavery. He gives them ways that are protective, loving, generous and open. He gives them law that we still base our law and justice on. He gives them security. He desires, he says, I want you to be a nation of priests that will build up and then one day tell the rest of the world, be the people that are known to the rest of the world, that are the bridge between people and God. He wants their identity to rest in him. He wants their home to rest in him. That's why they need that desert time. Because their home is not in the promised land. He wants them to realise that their home is in him. And then he gets them to build this tabernacle. And this is another whole sermon. But if you look at the way the tabernacle is built, it actually reflects the description of Eden in Genesis. There are fruit plants, there are plants. I'll, I'll go over it another time. But he puts Eden and the presence of God in the middle of these people and says, I will be with you. You are my people. This is the type of God in response to Pharaoh. Who can break you free? This God. He gives them a vision, a hope for the future. He gives them ways to celebrate, ways to heal and repent for their shame and brokenness and come back each day. This is the same God that is inviting you now. Except we're even more blessed because we've had Jesus. We're even more, less mysterious than the tent and the cloud. We had a man that was God and showed us the way God lived, showed us what God's love for us and then did the ultimate sacrifice. All we need to do now, we don't even need to sacrifice a lamb at the temple. We just come to him. Ask him to do the living, heavy lifting. We come to him. Break my chains, God. In Jesus Christ's name, who died for those chains, who died, who freed us, set us free. That is the answer to the Pharaoh. Who's this Lord? That's who he is. Yahweh doesn't even need to to describe himself when he talks to Moses. I am who I am. (laughs) Jesus Christ is his name. He can break the chains in you this Easter, give you a new hope, a home in him, a hope in him, an identity in him. Church was never intended to be a group of perfect people, ever. Church was meant to be this us admitting we're broken each week and coming towards and letting God restore us and transform into him more each day. Healing and transforming. So my last point today. It's a process. Here's the reality. It's a process. Some people get healed in things on the moment and it's miraculous and God can do that. You hear stories of it. I know Christians that came to God and he healed them of something. He released them of something. I know people that were heavy smokers and they're released like that. But each of us react in different ways and each of us has different things going on. And when the Holy Spirit meets us, it does different things in us. So sometimes, probably more often than not, it's a process. And the process is shown here. Because Moses goes, Pharaoh, let him go. And he doesn't go, all right, 
he doubles down. Can almost guarantee, church, today, if you're sitting there thinking, if something is stirring in you today to say, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to ask God to break this chain. That is very likely you have the worst week imaginable. <laughs> Isn't it? People can testify to that. The moment they step out, the enemy doesn't like this, doubles down. I can't imagine the amount of time, every time, there is an important Sunday here, a milestone Sunday. Every Sunday is important, but sometimes there's milestones. Guarantee one of my kids are sick or in hospital that weekend, that Saturday night. It gets to the point I don't even tell the congregation now because it's just like, just, why don't you just calendar in the significant Sundays and pray for my kids Saturday night? The moment I go away, there's a kid in hospital. Every single time. Every time we step out, you'll know it, there's a counter thing. And so it's a process. So today, if you're going to step out, let's make this a process towards Easter. And so here's a couple of practical things. Here's a couple of practical things if you feel broken, trapped, captivated, or you have some addictions you want to let go of this morning. Some habits or some identities that are trapping you. Here's some, here's some things. I think they're going to come up. Just the next one. At the end of the service, we're going to sing one more last song. We'd love to pray for you. But because it's a process, don't just pray today. Find someone, find a small group, find some, or somebody or two people that can keep you accountable to it. Hey, I need to stop doing this. It might be simple. It might be, hey, I need to look at my phone less just find someone that can send you a loving, encouraging text to go, how's the phone usage going? Can I pray for you? Sounds silly, but if you're my generation or, or younger, you're just going, I get it, I get it. It's chained to you. <laughs> or it could be something more serious, in which case we'd love to help you be accountable. Not as a strict thing to just stuff up this week. No. How are you going? Can I pray for you? God wants to redeem this. God wants to heal this. Baptism. What happens the first step Moses takes when he finally gets the people released? They walk through the, the sea that is parted and the oppressor dies and they are freed people. Baptism, what a great picture of baptism. If you didn't know what baptism was, it's representing you being buried and dying to something and coming back out released and free. Part of the process on Easter morning, we'd love to baptise some people. So if that's you, if you haven't been baptised, love you. it's nothing magic about the water. You don't come out and you instantly <laughs> you look like a different person or anything like that. It's just a symbolism. It's a public declaration that Jesus asked us to do to symbolise that death and new life in him. It's found here 4,000 years before and then he uses water to baptise people up until it was actually coined or termed baptism. And then sacrifice something this Lent. Jesus takes them into the desert for a reason. He needs to re-help them think through their identity. And so sometimes we need to give up something or we need to starve the flesh to feed the spirit. And so we're already past the cut-off date for Lent. It's okay, you're allowed to start late. We've got about three weeks to Easter. 
pray about something that you could get rid of in order to pray about your addiction or your chain or your friend who just mentioned their addiction and chain and pray for them. I'll give you a really simple example. I'm, um, I'm going to give up phone games starting today. So I quickly played some this morning as I was getting ready for church to get it all in. No, no, I'm going to um, just give up phone games. They're just, I can't not be doing something. And so I don't have time to stop when I stop. Admittedly, sometimes on the bathroom, I need to play a game. I, can't, I just need to do something. I need to just stop sometimes and it's okay to stop. And so just up until, I'm also going on holidays just before Easter with my family and some other families. So it's perfect. Get rid of the phone games for a bit and spend some time with them. Real simple. But in that time, every time I have the desire to check my egg farm and see how much coins I've made from selling eggs, um, or my lemmings game, which I'm just grieving it as I think about not being able to open it. <laughs> no, but see, 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 I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for some other addictions that I struggle with, um, some other things. I'm going to pray for my need to be successful. I'm going to pray for my need to be that guy with a coffee cup and perfect all the time. I pray for that. So that's a bit more real. That's got me chained sometimes, the approval of others. I want to pray for that every time I feel like playing a game on my phone. Does that make sense? So three practical things. Find someone to pray and keep you accountable, encourage you through this. Consider baptism, or if you don't know Jesus, consider coming to meet him this morning. And sacrifice something to starve the flesh so you can feed the spirit, this Lent. And, and when you give up that, replace it with reading through Exodus or what you're reading through and praying for some deeper addiction. So I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to ask Jeremy to come up. We're going to sing a song called Amazing Grace. I'm going to ask Nancy and Bev to come up and I'm going to get them to help us sing. Yeah, this Nancy, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to sing it with us. A real song that was written in a time about slavery. But this morning may be a perfect reflection to think, what has you trapped? And what does Jesus want to show you grace in this morning? If any time you feel the Spirit is leading you, come on down. We'd love to pray for you. And we'd love to start that process of God releasing you from it. So let's stand and just sing of that amazing grace that frees us all and we all have an opportunity to have this morning. Let, let me pray before we sing. You can keep playing, but let me pray. So, Father God, thank you so much for your amazing grace. Thank you so much that on the cross you died for our addictions. You died for our false gods. You died for our idols. You died for the things that trap us, Lord, whether it's busyness, work, identity, hurt, abuse, Whatever is holding us back, whatever has us trapped, whatever we think we need to do apart from you, Lord, free us from that and stir within us now so we know exactly what it is. Let us confess it this morning. Let us admit it so that you can start working within us this Easter season. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.